Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Eye on Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome back to the Eye on Foxborough podcast. I'm Chris Mason here with Mark Daniels. We're down in Foxborough. Thanksgiving season is in the air. Mark, how you doing? It's been rough, Chris. It's been rough coming back from Germany. Uh, I've been a bit. I've been on the injury report, as have you been. We're battling with illnesses, but when you travel across the ocean and you enter different time zones and you don't sleep and you sit outside in forty degree weather and watch games, your immune system gets beaten to death. So that's where I'm at. The bye week was solid, but you know I am ready to feel healthy again. Yeah, if this doesn't sound great from my end, it's because I'm masked up, you know, a la Bane here. Um, but I, I think we can power through it. You know, still on the injury report, but fighting through. Uh, Mark, with the Patriots in general, what would you say you're thankful for? I mean, this is supposed to be a time to practice gratitude. Patriots are two and eight. They stink. I know we're grateful there are only seven games left in the season, but like beyond that, beyond the smart ass nature of that, like what are you actually thankful for with this team? Um, I'm thankful for the new lighthouse. The the addition looks great. Um, I think it yeah. um they closed off the end of the stadium and I feel like it makes it a much better atmosphere and experience. So I'm thankful that I get to come to home games for my job and watch a um, an improved stadium, even though the team has not been improved. And I'm going to start with the stadium update, Chris, because I think this roster is so bad, there is not a lot to be thankful for. But if I had to give you a more football answer, I am thankful that the Patriots drafted Christian Gonzalez in the first round of the 2023 NFL draft because Christian Gonzalez looks like a legitimate blue chip prospect. He's one of the few players on the roster that I look at and say, hey, you know what? I'm actually excited to see him play next year. There's not a lot of guys on the roster that I can even say will be here playing next year. So, right. you know what? I'm thankful for the lighthouse and I am thankful <laughs> for Christian Gonzalez. So I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you a, a player on each side of the ball that I'm thankful for in this season, this lost season of nowhere. Defensively, it's Jabril Peppers, where, I mean, I think there's, a little excitement anytime that you see a ball carrier kind of juggling a ball in the flat and you see Jabril coming downhill at him. Like 
you know, as Devontae Adams found out, that that can be a massive hit. There's some electric plays. So I would say defensively, it's Peppers. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, Pop Douglas, you know? Fun story. Came out of nowhere, and he's pretty much the only one in the offense that anytime he gets the ball in his hands, you're like, oh, what could happen here? Like, he's one of the only people that has the ability to make multiple defenders miss. I mean, I guess the only other one in that conversation would kind of be Ramondre, but he wasn't himself for like a month and a half. And I mean, he looks better now, but but by and large with this roster, not a, not a, not a ton of gratitude to be found. I agree. There's a lot of reasons to be thankful for Demario Douglas. I mean, honestly, it actually looks like the Patriots hit on a receiver, which really ha- doesn't happen a lot, as, as all you know, throughout, you know, the 20 something years Bill Belichick has been here. It's been sort of slim pickings. It's it's interesting to me that he's had a little bit more success with guys like Julian Edelman and, you know, Jacoby Myers and the Dion Brent, whereas the Dion branches of the world have been few and far between. I mean, even David Gibbons is what a sixth or I think a seventh round draft pick. Like for whatever reason, the Patriots just find these late round gems and Pop Douglas looks to be like the next one. And Peppers has been a lot of fun. Um, I'd also add, you know, what? I, I know you just took a shot at my guy, Ramondre Stevenson, but I will say this. I am thankful that I get to watch Ramondre Stevenson run the ball because I said over the last two, three weeks, he runs really hard and he does appear to be one of the better players in offense. So like I shouldn't complain because my job is to watch football and it's, it's great. I, I lo- honestly love my life. But sometimes watching the Patriots offense is such a miserable experience that when they do hand the ball off to Ramondre, especially recently, I am thankful that I get to watch that as opposed to the passing game. Yeah. And the passing game has really been like that since the Cam Newton year, too, where it's been like, oh, man, what's going on here? But all right, that was practicing gratitude. We we tried. We knocked a few minutes out. Now, story of the week is obviously the quarterback situation. Mark, are you grateful for the way that Bill Belichick is handling this? No, no, I'm not. I think it makes absolutely zero sense. Um, At the end of the day, if you're going to make a quarterback change, a la the New York Jets, you come on and say it. You get ahead of it. The New York Jets did that. They said, hey, we're rolling with Tim Boyle. Zach Wilson's going to be the third string quarterback. And we're making a change because we need new life in our offense. Whereas the Patriots, it's been more of this mystery. It's just been this mystery. Ah, we told all players to get ready to play. Or Bill O'Brien essentially saying it's going to come down to practice. Like, hear me out, Chris. If they're going to make a change to Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi has not started in a game in over a year. He has to play the starter reps in practice to get him adequately prepared. Now, if you're going to stick with Mac Jones, and I think his confidence has clearly been has taken a hit, you need to go behind him, say Mac Jones is our guy, give him all the starter reps. Instead, what it appears that's happening here is that the Patriots have sort of been splitting up their practice reps between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. I don't think Will Greer has been the guy. But I will say this too, Chris. If Will Greer was going to start on Sunday, he should take all the practice reps. That's why I disagree with this whole notion of whoever practices best is going to play. This is not training camp. I hate the way it's been handled. Yeah, I mean, the only way they could have made this whole, like, well, they're competing practice thing worse is if they had been outside today. (laughs) That's fair. Where it's absolutely pouring out. It's miserable. And I was driving in thinking that. It was like, what's the only thing dumber than a Thanksgiving week quarterback competition? And it's like, it would be a Thanksgiving week quarterback competition in the pouring rain. They didn't do that. So credit to them for moving into the bubble for once. But it, it just... It makes no sense. And the reality is that they just have nobody at the position where if there was anybody even remotely decent behind Mac, they would already be playing. They would have been playing weeks ago, but they they just don't have anyone on the roster that can even compete. And that's a glaring indictment on Bill Belichick. It's like, what were you looking at when you created this quarterback room? And like, I'm not saying Brian Hoyer is the answer. Do not take that like that. But Bill did cut Brian Hoyer in the offseason for 
no reason really right like and that's at least someone that would have been in the mix as like a veteran try not to lose out there which i mean we've seen that sometimes he's still gonna lose he's gonna like a decent amount when he goes out there but like the one like quote-unquote safe bet is cutting the offseason for no reason you know i think it's been glossed over a little bit just how the Patriots went about building their quarterback depth chart they saw zappy start two games last year they thought he was a clear you know fine backup and they thought Mac Jones under Bill O'Brien would be a bit better, but like quarterback's not a position that you can just sort of gloss over. Like they brought in Trace McSorley, who's not a good quarterback, guys. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Me, me and Chris watched every practice. He, Trace McSorley is not, not good. And what we've seen this year is them, they claim Matt Corral, they sign Ann Book, they bring in Will Greer. But the, the truth of the matter is they should have spent some money and got a veteran quarterback. And I think if you had a better quarterback, hell, a Jared Stidham. A Jacoby Brissett, you you might have a different starter right now. So I think the way the Patriots have handled their quarterback position, it's it's honestly to me, it's it's closing in on a failing grade for the season. It's just been bad, and what? I still do not understand this week if Mac Jones is going to start, give him all the reps, guys. Like that's that's my point. Would the Patriots have a better record than two and eight if Jacoby Brissett was their quarterback? If he was on their roster, would they have a better record than two and eight? I think so. They might be. They might have three or four wins. Just if you think about like how many chances late in the game Mac Jones has had the ball this year and has just not done anything with it. I mean, yeah, I, I like him at like three and seven with Jacoby. That's where Max play has been. But it's just interesting when you said like Jacoby or Stidham. Uh, but to have nobody that even pushes Mac, it's like, what are, what are we doing here? What? And this comes back to the bigger picture issue with this offense is that Belichick, it looks like he has no like big picture, long-term vision for what this group is supposed to be. We've harped on this a few times on this podcast, but like best case scenario, what was this offense? Like the 2001 offense where you're just going to try and like ground and pound and hit some tight ends over the middle. It's like, it's 2023, man. That's just not happening. Well, then like whoever is taking over this team, whether Bill stays or someone else comes in, you have to get, you have to get with the times. You need more explosive players. You need better receivers. You need a better offensive line. You need a better quarterback. And in the slim, slim chance that Mac Jones, the Patriots starting quarterback next year, you need an elite offensive line and you need elite weapons. I, I think that's very clear. And what has gone wrong here is you have an average quarterback with a below average offensive line and below average weapons. And the, the average quarterback, Mac Jones, cannot lift up anybody. He's not an average quarterback. He's below average. Come on. Uh, He's below average. He is. Like, if you had to go through, like, 32 quarterbacks right now, there's no way that he's 15. I think we're parsing hairs here because I think if you were to take every quarterback in the NFL, I'm talking first string, second string, third string. I think I don't think Mac Jones falls on the below average range. Now, here's where I think Mac Jones ultimately ends up as a long-term successful backup in the NFL. So, I you know, that would certainly point to Curse's point that he's below average. I will say at his best, I think he is an average to above average quarterback. Okay. Okay. Agree to disagree with that. I, th- I think that's where we're at. I got a good mailbag question this week that we're going to, you know, it's going to be the mailbag on Friday. So maybe, maybe a mild spoiler alert here, but who of this group has gone first, Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, or Bill O'Brien? Bill Belichick. So my take is that if the Patriots continue down this path of self-destruction as soon as the game ends um there'll be a mutual parting of the ways that's my prediction is that bill belichick and robert Kraft will have a joint statement saying 
you know, thanks for the memories. And um, we're, we're going to part ways and start over. Because if you're Robert Kraft and you're going to replace Bill Belichick, it has to start immediately. The first thing you do when the season ends is not trade Mac Jones or fire Bill O'Brien. It's get, you know, end it with Bill Belichick. So I would say odds on that are Bill Belichick. That's that's my take. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I went Bill 1-2, where if it was going to be O'Brien, that would have already happened. And it, it hasn't. Um, but I do think Bill will be the first to go. And then I think if you were going to like rank these, how they're going to move forward, I think then it depends on how Gerard Mayo or whoever the next guy in here is feels about Bill O'Brien, where if Mayo likes O'Brien, wants to keep it in place, wants to do that, then I think he sticks around. If not, maybe he lasts like two weeks longer than Bill technically on like a technicality there. And I, I do think Mac's going to be around here next year, though. Like, I think if you look at this roster, there's absolutely no backup quarterback depth. There's nothing there. He's on a rookie deal still. His trade value's never been lower, so it doesn't make sense to move on from him in that sense. Where like it's like you said, if he's a long term backup in the league, okay, great. Like he's here next year. You can say you're competing for the starting job with like a rookie quarterback or whoever you bring in. He's probably not going to win that competition, but I think it would be dumb to get rid of a quarterback on a rookie deal when you have absolutely no depth in the position. Yeah, the money comes into play, and you know, you know, Chris might say that Mac is horrible. Putting words in his mouth here. I didn't but, say that. I said no, below no, average. Kidding. Um, but. Mac has at times shown that he can win you some football games. There hasn't been many this year, but I'm, what I'm saying is it's not a bad depth piece to have. Now, if the Patriots want to add a rookie quarterback and have him compete with Mac Jones, I'm fine with that. If they want to sign Kirk Cousins and have him compete with Mac Jones, you know what? At least it's a plan and it's something. It's better than nothing, which is what they did this year. Yeah, and I, I think that's what, like, whoever the next guy in the interview process, Robert Kraft's got to be like, all right, lay out your plan. I need to see it. I need yeah. to, like – Give me like a 15 point plan to making the Patriots relevant again. And how are you going to do this? How about, how about this? How about this? Like here's a here's a wild theory. Gerard Mayo becomes the new head coach, hires Cliff Kingsbury to be his offensive coordinator, and the Patriots trade up to draft Caleb Williams. I mean, I think that's definitely a plan. Right. Um they should hire me. I'll be the I'll be the new GM. <laughs> it's a it's a good one. I mean, it's gonna the one issue with trading up for a Caleb Williams or something is say you have the fourth or fifth pick, like what's it gonna cost to move up there? And this roster is so bad right now that trading future first round picks away could keep you into purgatory even longer. We're actually seeing that this year with the Carolina Panthers, who would have the number one overall pick, but they traded it to the Bears along with DJ Moore for Bryce Young, who is not better than CJ Stroud, which brings me to this point, Chris. Even if the Patriots lose a ton of games and they draft a quarterback in the top two, top three, there's actually no guarantee it gets better. No, tanking, and that's that's the thing with like tanking is it's such an inexact science. You know, people, you got to get the number one pick. You got to lose. You got to, it's like, there are so many top three quarterback picks who have been terrible. You know, it's not like you're guaranteed to have a guy like you, you hope you do all your research. You hope you have the right one. But like this draft's a perfect example where CJ Stroud looks way better than Bryce Young. And right. Go back to the rankings last year. The consensus number one pick was Bryce Young. I know everyone wants to pile on the Panthers. But they picked the guy who everyone thought was the number one pick. Like that, that stuff happens in the NFL all the time. Remember Mitch Trubisky at two, and then Patrick Mahomes is what ten or eleven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, hell, Dak Prescott in the fourth round, Russell Wilson in the fourth round. Shout out Zach Wilson, number two overall. I mean, crazy Lamar Jackson at number thirty-two. Like crazy things happen with the draft because the honest truth, Chris, is no one knows. I don't know. You don't know. The Patriots don't know. No one knows. Even if you look at like the Dolphins right now, where it looks like they're in a good spot, like they picked Tua at number five over Justin Herbert at number six. How nasty would that Dolphins offense be right now if they had Justin Herbert as the trigger man? 
it's you know it's it's an inexact science which is why even the patriots losing doesn't fix everything which is also why i think that ending it ending things with bill belichick amicably is almost the best path to go here because this is a tear down this is the patriots as we've stated are reasons to be thankful there are not a lot because the Patriots don't have an elite roster. They don't have a lot of blue chip prospects. It is, it is tr- quite truthfully a giant rebuild. I don't see a 71-year-old veteran future Hall of Fame head coach doing it. I, I see them bringing in someone like Gerard Mayo and sort of starting over here. Yeah, I agree with that. So, Mark, in the locker room yesterday, you nailed two stories. You had two real good ones where J.C. Jackson and Trent Brown were both very, very candid with their responses like, you read the quotes. They're unbelievable, specifically the Trent ones. What do you make of the locker room right now and like the direction that it's heading in? Yeah, it, those those two interviews told you two different stories, honestly. Um, Trent Brown was really upset at Albert Breer's report that he's habitually late to things. Um, so for those who don't know, Trent didn't go to Germany. The Patriots said it was due to, a, quote, personal reasons and an ankle injury. So I wanted to ask Trent, and I, and I did. And he said that he had a death in the family. His uncle passed away, which is why had personal reasons, but also he's dealing with a low ankle sprain, high ankle sprain, and a sprained MCL. That's a lot. It's all in the same leg. So he's hurting right now, and he's battling. But he was furious with Breer's report, and he went off. He threw down a bunch of expletives, called it BS rhetoric that comes to play. But what, what caught my eye, he said, I'm sure you're not really used to reporting about losing seasons around here, but that's the type of BS rhetoric that comes to play. I don't think it's a coincidence that all all season – I don't think it's a coincidence that all season I've been the best player in offense. And then when I'm not playing that BS starts happening. Wow. I think right there, that type of quote is also indicative of what happens when you're losing. Um, Trump Brown feels like it was a smear campaign against him. Maybe to, I would, I read it as maybe to hurt his free agent value. I thought that was interesting. And I don't think that would happen if the Patriots were winning. Um, JC Jackson was with Trent. It also does make a ton of sense that they would be trying to smear his value ahead of free agency because if Bill's not the guy here next year, you know, like what good does that do? What, what does it even matter? Um, do you think Trent's the best player on offense? Do you think he's been the best player on offense this year? I don't hate it. And yeah, yeah sure. I, yes. I think there's a legitimate claim where it's like, yeah, no, he, he's right. He has been, he has know? been, he's, he's an elite offensive tackle. He's probably the only guy there with pro bowl potential other than maybe a one Um uh, then, but getting to JC Jackson, JC Jackson was the exact opposite. He took full accountability for what happened. Um, he didn't travel to Germany, he said, because he missed his bed checks in the team hotel the Saturday night before the Commanders game. That's when he got benched. Said it was essentially, you know, a giant mistake. He said, quote, you know, it's I took I didn't take it any other way that then it's a punishment. I hope you learn from it and grow from the mistake I made. He, he basically just said it's, quote, it was all my fault. I made a mistake. What I took from that, you know what? It's the opposite the way that Jack Jones handled it. There's a reason why J.C. Jackson is here in New England. For all you don't know, go read my story on Mass Live. What he said to me is why he's here. It's why Jack Jones is not here. Jack Jones was pouting on the bench. You could very clearly tell Jack Jones was upset. J.C. Jackson took his punishment, frankly, like a man. He took it on the chin, and he's still here. And he said he's grateful for Bill Belichick for that. Yeah, and I think the difference between, like, these Trent quotes you're seeing and these J.C. quotes is that J.C. kind of knows that I don't want to say this is his last chance, but I don't think there's a ton of teams that are lining up to sign him. Whereas with Trent, I think that like if he hits free agency, he knows there's still going to be a lot of teams out there. And I think that's why you're seeing like drastically different approaches to this. Absolutely. But all right, guys, enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving week. Thanks for listening along and we'll catch you on further down the trail. 
This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live. <laughs>